In this episode of Shifted, we're continuing in our two-part Melson Marathon. This is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one, go back one episode to get caught up to speed. We'll see you back here after you're done. In this part, we're sitting back down with Mark Melson, who will be joined by his wife, Jennifer, to talk about why adoption is so special to their family. After that, we talk with Lily and Maddie, Mark's two daughters, about what this past school year has been like and their perspective on virtual learning. We get to hear them talk a little bit about AdoptEd's virtual classroom, too. Part two, here we go. Hello, welcome back to Shifted. I'm Amy. And I'm Carrie. We're glad you've joined us for the second part of this two-part Melson Marathon. Get ready for an amazing conversation on why adoption is so near and dear to the Melson family and what their experience with the process up close and personal was like. Afterwards, we'll get a chance to hear from Lily and Maddie Melson about their experience in the public education system this past year and their perspective on virtual learning. They were so kind to go through AdoptEd's virtual classroom as students, and we can't wait to hear what they have to say about their experience. One last note before we start. There's quite a bit of terminology mentioned in this episode that might be unfamiliar to you. We've compiled a list of terms and their definitions for you as part of our episode vocabulary in the show notes of this episode. If you're curious what some words mentioned mean, check out the show notes. Let's dive right in. Here's our interview with Mark and Jennifer Melson about their experience going through the adoption process themselves. We are sitting down with Mark and his lovely wife, Jennifer, and we're very happy that you're here with us today. Can we go ahead and start with introducing yourself? Sure. I'm Jennifer Melson. I married the greatest guy back, oh, I don't know, lots of years ago. Um, I grew up and was born and raised in Louisiana. Went to Louisiana State University, um, started work in the nonprofit sector, met this guy, Actually hired him. Oh, wow. First nonprofit job. More story there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and married him as quick as I could. Moved to Texas and have been in Texas since about 2000. I didn't know that. I love that. Jennifer, will you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Um, Mark and I have been together 22 years. We've been married. Um, we have um, three kids. Lily is our oldest. She's um, almost 19. Maddie is 16. And Jonathan is adopted. Uh, we have had him home since he was the age of six, and now he's 12. Wow. wow so he's already about 12. Six years. Wow. Yes, yes. And we have an honorary dog named Max. Oh, and An honorary dog, Max. <laughs> He's just very protective of all of us. I like how mom had the dog's back. <laughs> well, he has my back, that's for sure. So, so tell us a little bit more, more about that. Um, what really led your family to adoption? Well, when Mark and I married, we felt like we were getting kind of a late start to parenthood because we were 28. Um, it just took us a while to find each other, I guess, in life. And um, we had some um, problems with infertility and we just weren't, progressing along in that. So we actually applied to Gladney back way back then and thought that the China program would be um, the quickest and uh, get us to our goal the fastest. Well, at that time, something happened happened internationally and the China program was shut down about the time we were finishing the huge dossier. And so we decided to take a break from um, the adoption realm. And sure enough, 
God provided our first blessing, Lily. Um, within a couple years, so I got pregnant again. Along comes Maddie. Um, but we'd always been um, around adoption. Mark's brother is adopted. Uh, my mother was adopted um, by her aunt uh, because her mother died when she was little. Um, so from the beginning, even though we didn't go the adoption route right away, we always felt called to adoption and we felt as the girls got older and our family stabilized and we were growing, we thought, you know, this is kind of easy. <laughs> we're great parents. Uh, we have great kids. And we felt that we had the capacity to open our home and our hearts um, to someone who maybe didn't have um, a great family start. And so we decided we weren't getting any younger. We knew at that point we didn't need a newborn uh, because we were getting closer to our 40s. And so we thought, you know, let's. Uh, cast a wide net, um, be open to what we felt God had in store for us. And so we decided to adopt out of the foster system through Gladney. I love that. So can you talk a little bit about adoption through the foster care system? Sure, sure. So right now uh, throughout the U.S., there's a little over 400,000 kiddos who are in foster care. Unfortunately, sometimes kids have to go into foster care because of the, the neglect or care that they're not getting from their biological parents or their guardian. And so the states step in and decide they need to uh, find a better home for them, hopefully temporarily, before they can get things back together. Sadly, a lot of those kiddos wait there just a long, long time, and then they realize they're never going to be returned back to the biological parents or, or family members, just simply they're not capable of caring for them. At that time, they become available for adoption. And this is a big area where Gladney operates in to identify those kiddos that are available for adoption. There's about 100,000 in the U.S. right now that are available for adoption. And so that's where we focus our attention at Gladney on how can we care for those kids and find loving, caring homes for them. Uh, the nice thing about adoption from foster care, it's a, it's a relatively simple process. Once a family goes through the home study and gets approved to adopt, it's because there's so many kids waiting and available, as long as the family's pretty open, it's a relatively quick process. It's also interesting because it's free to the family. Um, the state the state covers all of the costs uh, to 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 place that child for adoption. So it's a it does have some uh, some upside from that piece of it, a blessing from that side of it to help the families. But they know they're maybe taking on a child who's had a rough start to life, has had a lot of trauma in their life, and there may be some costs and expenses associated with that. So the states try to do all they can to to really help. Sometimes in the classroom, students often find foster care and adoption confusing. They may, you know, correlate a foster care with being adoption and vice versa. And so can you go into a little bit more about the difference in those and what foster care means? Sure, absolutely. So when a family is a foster family or when a child's in foster care, generally they are staying with a family temporarily. This family has been trained and educated and licensed to be a foster family. So a child will come in and may stay there only a few days, may stay there a few years. It just depends upon the child's situation. But the 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 the, the primary focus is to return that child back to their biological family or guardianship or kin or something like that. In adoption, um, it could be the same family that's fostering the child, or it could be another family that purely just wants to adopt the child. That's permanent. At the time when the state decides this child is not going to be returned home, back home to their family, that's when adoption becomes an option. So it, again, it could be the foster family, or it could be a totally new family that comes along and says, we want to bring this child into our family permanently as if that child were born to them. And so that's where the, you see the difference between foster care and actual adoption. 
So I want to ask a few questions specifically about Jonathan and Jonathan joining your family. What was it like to introduce and integrate him into your family? Well, the process that it took uh, from the beginning was very interesting. We knew that we needed to include our girls in the decision. This would impact their lives. Um, Although I don't think we fully understood how much it would change their lives um, for the better. And in some cases, just more difficult. Um, But we allowed the girls to, or asked the girls to participate with us and looking on the websites. There are websites that state and other organizations provide to families that basically show a picture and a little description of the children that are available. And so we really, I think, kind of enjoyed um, altogether seeing what the need was out there. And it, it helped kind of get us all prepared for what could be coming. We had a lot of conversation about that. Child Services decides who they feel is going to be the most appropriate family to fit into what really the needs are for the child. So we had to create a book. We had to create kind of like a storybook, a picture book of our family, the things we like, the things we do, the things we don't like. Um, You know, if kids really have been in foster care and they remembered having a dog and that was a really good experience for them, they may really say, I want a family with a dog. I mean, something as simple as that. So um, once the state saw our book, they decided that we might be a good match. So we got to meet him. Well, we we had some staffing meetings with caseworkers to make sure we understood maybe his challenges and the traumas that he endured and that uh, they had the caretakers for him at that time, the foster parents, his other workers, his attorney ad litem, they all had questions for us to make sure they felt we would be a fit family. Um, Once we decided and they decided, we all agreed that we should meet each other, we took the girls with us to his foster family. Um, All of his representatives were there and we walked in and the kids got to kind of interact. Um, We were all very overwhelmed we decided that we would take another meeting. And so your second meeting is really just going to dinner, just kind of getting to know you away from all the workers. Um, He was extremely hyper and we are not hyper people. Um, So we were (laughs) all very overwhelmed, I believe. He was scared. I mean, he couldn't really look at us. Um, He was excited and he called the girls his sisters pretty much right away. Um, And so we knew that he he was looking towards permanency and, and, you know, he just thought we were it. Um, we agreed to the next meeting and that would be an overnight meeting where he came to our house. So the first time he came to our house, you know, he walked in, he saw a big TV, he, you know, he saw things he had never seen. And so he was overwhelmed and it was really like bringing a little Tasmanian devil in. I mean, he just was wild, which was well, cute was six, and funny, right? Y'all had kind of chilled out a little right, bit, right? Right, and they were very girly, very um, compliant, very calm children, um, and he just wasn't. Well, shock to the system. Yes, yeah. it was. I did want to go back to our our students and some of the questions that they ask. And you had mentioned that right away, Jonathan uh, called the girls his sisters, right? And so one question that we get from students is when do they start calling them mom and dad? And I, I, I know that that's different for everyone, but in, um, your case, but when did, when was that first time? Do you remember? I do. I know exactly when. Jonathan had a birth mother that was neglectful. And he had other members of a family. He remembers grandmas and grandpas and birth dad, um, but he really remembered his birth mom. So 
the mom figure for him is a strong one because that's the only person that really was with him more consistently, even though it, it wasn't really safe and sufficient, was the mom. So he called Mark dad right away. I mean, he might've been Mark for a couple days and then it was dad. I was Jennifer for a very long time. Then I was uh, Miss Jen for a while because friends, uh, little friends of ours in the community call me Miss Jen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it took 13 weeks for him to call me mama. It was hard for a while just because it was daddy and my sisters and and Miss Jen. Um, But I always, I didn't want to rush it. It, I, I knew that we would connect. I knew that eventually he would trust me. And I knew that when he did call me mama, that was going to be the true compliment and that he arrived there. So it was about 13 weeks and, um, you know, I had to earn it. He had lost trust in adults. There weren't really adults that came through. So what was going to make us any different? Wow, that's powerful. Did it come in a way like, mom, can I have some cereal? Yes. Like, it was like, <laughs> like a casual. Uh-huh. It was. And then it might have been, you know, a couple times he'd slip and call me Miss Jen or Jennifer or, um, but we told him right away, you know, you call us anything as long as it's respectful. He wanted to, <laughs> he called his foster mom, Big Mama. She was, <laughs> she was a full figured woman. And at the time I was smaller and I said, you can call me anything but Big Mama. <laughs> Do you ever feel differently towards Jonathan versus Lily and Maddie because he's adopted? So they're all three our children. And so from the day Jonathan came home, they were all on equal footing. The difference is interesting because we've seen every breath the girls have taken in their life. And so when you see every moment of their life, you know the the story that they've had, you know what they've been through in their life with us. And you, you have an empathy that's there based upon some struggles that maybe they've had and you, you've seen along the way. With Jonathan, it's interesting because there's such a blank spot in our history with him. The first six years of his life, we simply don't know. And so sometimes we have to catch ourselves when he's acting a certain way or doing a certain thing. Thing, you you want to act sometimes out of frustration because we're living in the last six years we've had together, not knowing or fully understanding the trauma that he's he's had uh, prior to that. So we have to take a step back sometimes and remind ourselves. He didn't live every day with us, so he didn't have the the same opportunities and, and the same life that the girls had all the way up to this point. And so sometimes those are struggles. We don't feel any differently, but sometimes the frustrations can be there. Um, um, you know, as a parent, it, w- with any parent, biological or adopted, you want your children to be loving and caring and, and grateful for what you believe you're providing for them and, and them to be happy. And anytime that they don't show that, you're like, oh, wow, but I'm trying so hard here. Um, so it's 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 been a little bit different with Jonathan, but there's never been a chance or a time along the way where we said, well, he, we're going to send him back. He's not ours anymore. That thought never crossed our mind. Um, it has, there have been some challenges. Uh, it's been interesting with the girls since they are a little bit older than Jonathan, the interaction's just a little bit different. It's fun when you see some of those sibling rivalries kind of flare up a little bit. The challenge with with that with in our family is Jonathan didn't have years as a little bit tiny infant baby toddler where you build that trust bucket we call it where you sort of build and grow and fall in love with each other. He was just sort of sprung on the girls, and as my wife said, he was kind of wild and Tasmanian devilish, and that was not them. So unfortunately, in his mode, in his survival mode, early on in his life with us, it was almost a, I got to take care of me, take 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 take. And you could tell, although he loved us and loves us, 
there's still sometimes this mode of, I've got to make sure that I'm okay first before I worry about you guys. And that's a struggle sometimes when you're trying to help and trying to be there. And you're, you can tell there's really not a whole lot of, of giving that's happening. And that's been a little bit of a struggle, I think. But, uh, but yeah, they're all three. Our children will all always be our children. We Obviously, we love them all. Yeah, it's definitely about building trust. Um, yeah. And I've heard y'all say that several times during the conversation. And I think that is just so important to remember is it's going to take time for for these kiddos um, to learn how to trust they, and let their guard down to be able to trust you. I have one last question from the classroom that we typically get, and these are hard questions. So I appreciate y'all being so open. Does Jonathan ever ask questions about his biological family? I think that's a really great question. Um, Yes. In the beginning, in the first few years, a lot more. We had a lot more conversations as we were learning from him and he was learning from us. He remembers, I think, pretty much everybody in his family. Um, He misses them. He loves them. He doesn't remember the bad, for the most part. He remembers some of the bad, but... For a while, he really, really struggled with not forgetting them. And so his a lot of his negative behaviors were about not forgetting his memories. So one thing that we did, we were encouraged by our Gladney caseworker, is to maybe make a photo book of some past photos, if we could find any, which we were able to, of um, what different people looked like and maybe different experiences, because he talks a lot of, he talked a lot about them. And so instead of acting out negatively uh, to and, and we didn't want him to lose those memories. If he has good memories, that just helps him and us and everyone. And so um, we made the book and from time to time, he'll still go and get his family memories book uh, with his original name. Uh, his name has changed since he's come to us um, and he chose his name. Uh, but anyway, he will go back and he'll look at his book and he'll remember things. And that helps him not to have to feel like he's ever gonna totally forget. It's interesting, and and as my wife said, your brain is an amazing thing, and it's protected him against a lot of the negative that happened. And sometimes that can actually be a struggle because in his his former life, you know, the fact that he could stay up as late as he wanted and eat what he wanted and watch whatever television program happened to be on, because in that case, maybe whoever was watching over him was not making good decisions for themselves. In his mind, that was normal and okay. And so sometimes he struggles when we say, well, it's time to go to bed. Well, why do I have to go to bed? Why can't I eat this? Why can't I watch this show? I've watched it before Mm -hmm. and we have to put those boundaries in. So he still struggles sometimes with that because in his former life, there really were no boundaries. And unfortunately that it led to some of the the struggles that he had. And obviously from a state perspective and a child protective services perspective, they knew that was not a good fit. But in his mind, there was nothing wrong with that. Picture a child, you let him to do what they want. They just seem to be as happy as they can be until you tell them no. And all of a sudden that changes the dynamic quite a bit. Because he was neglected and he wasn't really getting the supervision and the safety he needed, he doesn't like to hear no. And so a lot, we still struggle a little bit with hearing no. And, And when he gets really frustrated, sometimes we'll have to remind him, we didn't take you from your family. We took you out of foster care, which was not a pleasant experience. We just took you out of the bad situation you were in. We love you. We're glad you're here. We know that it might be difficult to be with a family with rules and and safeguards in place. Um, Every year, right before his birthday, just about almost like clockwork, and I don't think he realizes it, he asks me if all he wanted for his birthday was to find his birth mom, could he? And I tell him when it is safe, 
when we know that we will be safe and he will be safe, we will help him do that. But until then, we have to keep him safe because she mm. lo- she loved him, but she couldn't keep him safe. We love him and we can keep him safe. Wow. Well said. That's very well said. So what would you say to someone considering adoption? Well, I would certainly encourage them to do so, but it but to take the, the, the decision very seriously. Um, we have a tendency to r- romanticize stories in our mind. And I always kind of use this phrase, they kind of, it sort of becomes an Oprah Winfrey moment. That's probably out of date almost now. Um, but where you want this perfect story to come together and you picture this child running into your arms and telling them they, they love you and, and it's a perfect, happy, romantic story there. And the reality, it's not that. Uh, these, these kiddos, especially out of foster care, are, are coming from a really, really hard place. They don't trust anybody taller than themselves because every person that sizing up has let them down and they're very skeptical. So if you're expecting this perfect, mom, I love you and thank you for caring for me, that, that day's never gonna come. Um, they will tell you they love you. They do love you. They may have a different way to show it in some Sometimes their behavior doesn't match those same those same actions, but to, I would encourage you um, to take your time, think through it completely because it is a big decision. You are bringing a, a child into your home that you don't know about their background much. You have you have a lot of pages you can sift through to look at. Um, in our case with Jonathan, it was uh, almost thirteen hundred pages was his CPS file that we read through. But even during that time, you you become blind to things. My wife went back through it uh, a few years after we had him, and it was amazing the stuff that we missed. We just either weren't ready to see or didn't want to see or had blocked out. And so you really need to to to, to take your time. I'm thinking about that. Also, you need to have your village in order. Believe it or not, a lot of times not all family members are supportive of this. In our case, we had a perfect family, two beautiful daughters that were just perfect and life seemed perfect. And then we brought our son into this family. He has, he's changed the dynamics of our family and not in many times friends and family that you've been close to don't always agree with that because it changes the routine. All of a sudden we can't go out like we did before and just leave the kids home. We can't do some of those things. And sometimes there's people that just aren't supportive of that. So make sure that your network around you is fully supportive. You'll quickly learn who your close friends are and sadly who maybe those that aren't during this process. I have to say also the caseworkers with Gladney, the people that that know this, I mean, they offer such great training and such great information and um, really is what kind of got us through in those early days. And sometimes still we'll call and say, oh my goodness, are we just doing this totally wrong? And so- Ask for help. So many families we see in this program that come through that they're all excited and they're ready for the child and they're open to everything. And and again, they've built a story in their mind. And when the reality hits, sometimes they're afraid to ask for help because it kind of goes against what they told us as the agency. And all of a sudden we've gone- one month, two months, six months, a year, and things have gotten so rough and unfortunately s- such struggle, we get to a point where it may be too late to help save the relationship. So we encourage families early on, raise your hand. If you see something that you don't understand, if you have questions about something, if you react a way that doesn't go well or your child does, stop and raise your hand and say, I need help. Help me understand what I'm doing wrong here or what they're, what's going on. Um, generally, most of the struggles we see with families and their children, it's the parents. It's not the child. The child has built the way they are. 
are, but we start to interpret uh, some of those struggles in different ways. We react to our own anxiety in this situation. And sometimes the way we react is not a good way. And that just triggers more problems. An outsider like, like a, a caseworker can come in sometimes and see that and go, okay, here's how you're triggering your, your son. Let's try something different. So if you find yourself in that situation, if you move into the adoption program, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, everybody can take, you know, take something from help. We all need help. I love that advice. Before we wrap up, I want to just give you the opportunity if there's anything else you would like to share about your adoption journey. I would just share one thing. It's not so much about the journey, but it is just about the thought in general. Again, there may be some people listening or families listening, um, ultimately to decide, well, maybe adoption is not right for us and that's okay. Um, I, I, I know if you stop for a minute and think about it, you'll know somebody who's adopted. You'll know somebody who's adopted out of foster care internationally, domestically, or be adopted themselves. You can be a resource. You can raise your hand and say, hey, you need a night out. Let me take the kids for the night. Let me watch. Let me help. Let me, let's set up a play date. Let's do something. In many cases, again, with foster adoptions especially, sometimes there can be some rough days. And all you need is a friend to say, Go, go shopping, go have lunch, go go by yourself for a minute. Let me take the kids. Um, that's such a tremendous help. And that's something that everybody can do. So I would certainly encourage, I would certainly encourage that. Sometimes we have students in the foster care system um, when we go to speak to them through Adopted. Is there anything you would like to say to them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the first thing is the, the, the reason that a child's in foster care has nothing to do with the child. Um, unfortunately, there's a circumstance at home where just maybe it may not be the safest environment. So these kids are happy, healthy, and wonderful kids. And, um, and if, if, you, if you are sitting in this audience and you are currently living in a foster home, there is absolutely hope. You, you may not see it all the time, but there are a lot of wonderful people that are behind you that love you deeply that are caring for you and want to see a better life for you. And that life will come, whether it be through going back home to mom and dad or with a grandma or grandpa or or to an adoptive family, there absolutely is hope. It's interesting because when we sit in the class, we can't tell a difference between one student and the other. So we don't truly know everybody's story. So I would encourage other kiddos there. If you ever, if if you learn that one of your classmates is is a foster child or in the foster system or has been adopted, um, they're no different than you or I. Uh, They just have a little bit different story. We all have a different story. We all have parts in our past that we love and we're proud of and sometimes that we're not so much. And, and just to be gracious and generous during that time period because um, we, we all are special beings and, and you guys certainly are. Well, Jennifer and Mark, we're very grateful for your time and for being so authentic and not not sugarcoating things. You know, we, we talked about some really difficult um, things as far as your family. That's very personal. So thank you so much. We appreciated you. And I feel like our students are really going to benefit from this a lot. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you both. It's our pleasure. Okay, wow. Trying not to cry from that last line from Mark. Whoa. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, switching gears a little bit. Mark, as you learned, has two lovely daughters who are both in high school at the time we recorded this episode. They were kind enough to go through our adopted virtual classroom as students and then sat down with us to recount their experience as well as talk about this past school year, which, for all intents and purposes, and I hate that I'm saying this, has been truly unprecedented, but it's true. Anyways, Lily and Maddie are amazing guests and honestly speak way better than I ever could. You'll see what I mean. Here we go. 
All right, we're here with Lily and Maddie, and thank you, ladies, for joining us. Um, I would love for you to introduce yourselves and just talk about what grade you're in this year and some activities you enjoy. My name's Lily. I'm a senior this year in um, high school. I'm a student athletic trainer at my high school. Um, so what that means is I, you know, go to all the games um, for football and varsity boys basketball. Um, <laughs> I did that She's too. Dying really, really. Did that. That's it's awesome. So fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Um, we're pretty much we're kind of like team doctors or team nurses, I guess you could say. Um, we just, you know, wrap them up when they're bleeding, uh, make sure they're hydrated. It's kind of a, a little bit of a dirty job, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy it. What's the grossest like injury you've had to deal with? Oh my gosh. Um, there's a lot that I've seen. Um, I'd say this year was probably the worst year, um, which is ironic because it's my senior year, but our first scrimmage um, actually, and this was a scrimmage, one of our JV players, he actually um, broke his wrist, the entire thing. He he broke straight through his radius and his ulna. And so his arm was like limp. Mm -mm. It oh. was it was really nasty and poor thing. He was in a lot of pain, but um, we got him help and he's doing a lot better now, so. Maddie? Hi, I'm Maddie. Um, I'm a sophomore in high school this year and I play golf. I'm on the golf team. So we just had our district meet or tournament and we did all right. I mean, scoring wasn't the best, but yeah, I think we improved from last year. What's your favorite golf memory? So my first tournament as a freshman, I chipped in, it was a par three, and I chipped in my second shot for a birdie. And that was pretty cool because I'd never done that before. Oh, oh wow. A par three. Nice. Par three. Yeah. No big deal. I know. <laughs> Do you guys ever see each other at school? Every now and then we'll kind of run into each other. We actually, at the beginning yeah. of last year, because I was going to be a junior and she was going to be a freshman. So we were like, let's make a handshake. So like when we're in the hall and yeah. we see each other, we could just do it's it quick and walk on. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. I bet it was easier going into high school knowing that you had a sister there. Yeah, it was easy. And um, before school starts, they do like a camp for the freshmen. And she was uh, like a... They call Counselor, it a fish head. A fish head, yeah. And so, because we're the fish. And so that really helped. And I saw her there. Since we are talking about school, what has school been like this year since we have been living in a pandemic? Our classes, or at least my classes, have been really small. Like one of my English classes has, I think, six kids in it. Just because a lot of kids are online so that they don't get quarantined for sports and you know, just to kind of try and stay safe. And yeah, just learning's been a lot different because a lot of like the assignments are due at 11.59, except like in previous years, it's been due in class. So we have extra time, which is, oh, I like it, bonus. but yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, a lot of my classes have been a little bit smaller, which um, is, although it's nice because, you know, you have a little bit more of a one-on-one -on -one with the teachers, um, it is difficult because I have a lot of friends that I miss that have just chosen to do all year online that I haven't seen. Um, it's also made testing a little harder. I'm in a lot of AP courses. For example, I'm in AP Spanish literature this year. And taking that course online has been very difficult because, you know, we're preparing right now for a paper AP exam and everything that we do is on a computer. So trying to transition between those two things has, has been harder than expected. 
These are things I never would have thought of. Do you ladies, have you thought about your future? I mean, I know Lily, you're a senior. Do you have any plans after high school? And what are you guys thinking as far um, as a career path? Yeah, um, I actually do. So I'm planning on going to college uh, after I graduate high school. That's the right path for, path for me, I just feel. So I plan on studying pre-med, pre-med bio, something, something along those lines. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. What about you? Um, I plan on going into psychology. I'm not quite sure what like realm or specific part of psychology, but I hope to like major in psychology when I'm in college. So I'm taking a lot of courses that would hopefully guide me in those directions. Yeah, I it's kind of fun to know the new classes that they offer in high schools. And I think sports med will definitely be a good insight to the direction you're going, Lily. So that's, that all sounds very exciting. Y'all have it together. I, I was did just not have they, it together. Oh. <laughs> like that. You told us about your career path, but what is your dream job? At the age of seven, I was actually diagnosed with um, type 1 diabetes, and I've had a lot of very influential doctors in my life that have um, taught me a lot about my body and the endocrine system, and I really want to help other people um, going through endocrine issues um, as well. So I plan on uh, studying endocrinology, may possibly research, um, if not being an endocrinologist. I love that. I love how you turned your personal experience into something that you could be more hands-on with. That's amazing. I would either want to go into, I think, sports psychology, which would like help kids in like sports get their minds straight because it can be really stressful. Um, or I think child psychology and like therapy and counseling because I love kids. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about our virtual classroom. So we kind of want to jump into some of some of those questions. So what did you think about it? I liked doing the virtual classroom because, I mean, it refreshed our memory on some of the topics that we might have forgot about or just didn't really know much about, like to begin with with adoption. So I liked going through it. I also enjoyed it. Um, You know, I feel like because my dad has worked for Gladney and he's worked for Gladney for quite a bit of time, um, there's already a lot of information that I've just kind of been taught over the years, but I, I think it was a very good refresher and I actually learned some new info that I, that I didn't know before. Um, it gave me some good perspectives, um, especially the part where the birth mothers talked a little bit about their journey. Um, I found that really refreshing and really eye-opening because it is something that's very important. Wow. So what about the length of the lesson? Because you have the capability of pausing and then coming back to the virtual classroom. Did you do it all at once or did you pause? And did you think the length was, you know, appropriate or was it too long, too short? I um, I started it, I think, the day that we, y'all sent it out to us and um, did, I think, probably like a third of it right then just because it was— I mean, quick and easy. And then I paused it and finished the rest of it while we were on vacation and just like taking naps and stuff. I actually did it all at once. Um, I was kind of captivated by, by it. Um, I, I got to the first part of the lesson and I answered, you know, the beginning questions. And then I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is interesting. And so I just kind of continued to do the rest of it until I completed it. 
you know, with the pandemic and different types of learning right now, y'all have probably experienced, you know, different platforms. What do you think about the virtual classroom compared to some of the other lessons or different learning modules that you've had to do? Well, um, Although we are in person in school, um, everything we do to make it fair, it has been provided online. And so um, I take my computer to school every day to do my work. Um, The specific platform that our district has chosen is Canvas. Um, Other schools may have picked other platforms, but um, very similarly to Canvas, um, the the Adopt Ed Education, I feel like it had a very, very easy, um, it was very accessible and it was very easy to tell, you know, what step you needed to move on to complete each part. Um, if you clicked a wrong button, it would tell you, hey, hold on, go back. You need to watch this video first, um, which I found very helpful. Um, in some ways, I find it even easier than what, you know, the complexity of what Canvas is. So I'm just curious, um, the virtual classroom has videos and then it has some quizzes. Do you guys, are? do you prefer to sit back and watch the videos or are you more want to be interactive? I liked watching the videos because I felt like it explained like in detail all the information that I felt was important. But I also did like taking the quizzes and just making sure that you fully understand all the information. I agree with Maddie. Um, I also really enjoyed the videos. Um, Like I said before, especially the birth moms talking about their experience. That was probably my favorite part. The quizzes were very helpful too to make sure I was understanding what I was watching. But I personally love like watching Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, YouTube. So just watching videos is fun for me. So did you learn anything new about adoption? You've said a couple times that you enjoyed the birth mom videos or anything that just any information that you were like, oh, wow, never heard that before. Yes, um, there was one part, I believe it was one of the quizzes had information about like percentages of um, percentages of, of uh, birth parents that decide to raise their children um, or birth parents that des- decide to make an adoption plan. Um, you know, the ranges of that being, you know, teenagers to adults. I actually got a few of those wrong yeah, first time too. taking the quiz because um, I didn't, I didn't know that kind of information. So that was really nice to get a new perspective on that. That was when I started with Adopt Ed and we were look, making um, some of the curriculum. That also was shocking to me. I thought it would be much different, those percentages. That's my favorite part when presenting it um, in person to students is to, to do the percentages because students are just shocked by it and it's fun to talk it through. Lily, would you recommend this virtual classroom curriculum to students and teachers? Uh, Definitely. I would recommend it to both. I actually um, have a lot of friends that are, have, have either come to me being like, ooh, when I get older and I don't really want to have my own kids, I want to adopt. And, um, you know, I'm always real hesitant when they say something like that because I'm like, whoa, like that's a really big thing to say. Adoption is amazing. There are a lot of different a lot of different benefits that come to it. And you can give a child in need a a really amazing home. Um, But also it's a really big commitment. And so when people throw that that statement around freely, um, it always just hits me a little different. So I think that just for people to understand um, 
the different statistics about it and the different perspectives is very important. Um, I think there are a lot of kids that go through different situations. Um, either it's an unplanned pregnancy or you yourself are in a situation where you're in foster care. Um, and I think that everybody can benefit, uh, students and adults, um, can learn from, from what the video and the quizzes have to say. We are in the process of creating a new lesson about foster care adoption. And I was just curious, what advice do you have for siblings whose families are considering adoption through the foster care system? I would just say to like try and be as patient as possible. The process takes a while and it's a lot of up and downs and highs and lows. And, you know, some days are better than others, especially when you do have a sibling from foster care because they've been through a lot and it's hard to understand how somebody like has grown up different from you, especially if you are a younger sibling. And so it's hard to understand what all they've been through. But I think as us being older, it was a little bit easier to understand like how Jonathan was like raised different from how we were raised and how you have to just be patient and understand things from his perspective. Okay, so this is one of my favorite little segments that we have on Shifted. It's our lightning round. We like to do this with most of our guests. So uh, I'm going to start and Carrie and I are just going to shoot off some questions at you and we want you to answer as, as they come to you. What is your dream car? Tesla. Yeah, a Tesla. <laughs> Would you rather never get a paper cut again or never have something stuck in your teeth again? Paper cut. Paper cuts are awful. Yeah, paper cut. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'd be okay walking around with spinach in your teeth? Well, yeah, no I've, paper <laughs> I've, got, I've got good friends that would tell me, hey, got something in your teeth, so. <laughs> good friends. What is your biggest pet peeve? The sound of styrofoam. Can't stand it. The sound of chewing. Oh, oh. sounds. A little sensory moment. Okay. This is the last one. Would you rather give up bathing for an entire month or give up the internet? Mm, well, okay. That's a very detailed question. <laughs> um, if I have to pick one, I would probably, I would probably have to give up bathing. Reason being, I love because this. because I'm in high school right now and I just want to graduate. So like without the internet, I can't graduate high school. So <laughs> I got to pass those classes, you know? <laughs> yeah, same. same. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you both for being here. You're both fantastic young people. We really appreciate you doing the adopted virtual lesson and then coming in and speaking to us today and putting up with our silly lightning round questions. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. All. <sighs> I think I'm out of breath, Carrie. It's almost like I've been running 26.2 miles or something. Amy, that's the length of a marathon. Oh, you mean like a Melson marathon? Eh, eh? <laughs> Exactly. All those interviews were incredible. I'm also grateful Mark and Jennifer were open to sharing their story with us and for Lily and Maddie for giving us some feedback on our virtual classroom, as well as recounting their firsthand experience with school during a pandemic. I know they are the best. I didn't know a lot about their story and I loved hearing about their adoption journey. True to form, all adoption stories are unique and special and this family is just incredible. 
You heard us talk a little bit about it in this episode. And if you are interested in trying out the virtual classroom, we have links in the show notes that will take you to our registration page. Remember, it's totally free to use in your classroom thanks to our special donors. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Shifted. We're trying some new things on the podcast and would love your feedback. Send us an email at shifted at gladney.org to let us know what you think or send us a future episode idea. And be sure to follow the podcast in your favorite podcast app. And if you want to keep up with us over the summer while we're preparing some new lessons for our virtual classroom and gearing up for next school year, be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at gladneyadopted. Show notes below for links to anything we mentioned in the episode and ways you can get involved with us here at Adopt Ed and Gladney. And I don't know, maybe even some surprise free stuff or fun facts. Ooh, sounds like something worth reading all the way down to the bottom. That's all we have for you guys. Thanks for listening. See you in the next one.